Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Okay, can you hear me? Good. Can you hear me now? I just... Actually, one of the phone companies paid me to do that. To plug them, so I'll plug them right now. How you guys doing this morning? It's a great morning, huh? So I was just driving in, and as I was driving in, it was like sunshiny up where I live. And then I got down to Everett, and it was like there's just this fog and this cloud. And I was just like, "Ooh, this is going to be a great day. Because whenever I think of fog, I think of favor. Because I think of favor of God right and I was like hey we're in God's favor and so we're gonna have a great morning and we're gonna have a great time and I was excited about today I've actually been really excited about this week because last week um, was Rosh Hashanah so we're in a new year and I love new years because it it starts again and so so um, we're in the year 5781 on the Jewish calendar right (laughs) it's a little farther than 2020 you know but it's kind of cool i love it how how it all breaks down but we start with rosh hashanah and then we go there's actually it's two days of rosh hashanah and um they're it's like they don't blow the horn on a shabbat so they have to blow it on the next day and so when it happens to fall on that day so like there's all kinds of there's so much that goes into it and and so much of it represents jesus and represents God's finished work, that it blows me away, and I'm just like, wow, Father, just just, just the fact that you're in every little detail is amazing to me, right? So sometimes we look at this big picture, and we think, you know something? Um, all I see is the bigness of the thing, but we don't realize that God's a God of details, and he goes into the littlest parts, and he's got the big de- little details, and then he's got the big picture, too. And so when we can trust him to say, you know something, Father? You've got everything in your hands. If you've got the little minute details, and then you've got the big picture, too, I know I can, I can get through. And so sometimes, like I really feel in this season, there's some people that are going through some really hard times. And so like if you're out there going through some hard time, or you're in here, going through some hard times. No, God's in, got a detail. He knows how many hairs he got. It's a lot easier for him if you're bald. <laughs> I'm sure, right? <laughs> Not picking on anybody, right? <laughs> right? But he knows how many hairs you have. He's got them numbered. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And so so he's he's that into you. Like, like, like I, I love Linda, right? But I don't know how many hairs she's got. <laughs> hear what I mean? So, so I love my kids, but I don't know how many hairs they got, right? But God's like, oh, you're so awesome. Look at this. I'm just going to count your hairs today. <laughs> That's how much he loves you. That's pretty cool. You know what I'm talking about? So in um, horsemanship, one of the things we talk about is, like it seems like when someone wants to learn to ride, the beginners want to learn the intermediate stuff. And then the intermediate people want to learn the advanced stuff. But if you go to the guys who, who are advanced, what they're doing is they're going back to the basics. 
and they're making the basics solid and making the basics strong. And as those basics become strong, it comes into more details, and those details make a bigger picture. And when you see that bigger picture, then you see, oh, wow, that's really advanced when it's really not that hard, right? We, I used to tell people, I was like, don't worry about it. And I was like, like, how, do you, I was like how do you eat an elephant? And they're like, eat an elephant? What's the matter with you, you know? And I'm like, well, nothing's the matter with me, but you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, and so, so much of the time we're trying to figure everything out in our lives, and we're trying to get to a place where we know everything that's going to happen, and God's like, just, just do it, just walk with me. Just walk with me where I'm at right now. Just let me be your God. And, and you, be, you be my son and daughter and watch what I'll do. Because I'm just not your daddy, but I'm your king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm the king of the universe. And I can make things happen for you that you never dreamed were possible if you'll just trust me. If you'll, if you'll just trust me with the details of your life. And I think so much of the time that we... we, we let go of the details. And, and we're like, you know, I'm going to keep this from God, and I'm going to keep that from God, and I'm not going to bring it to God. And but God's like, just bring it all to me. He said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So those things that are weighing you down, you don't have to, you don't have to hang on to that. Right? You, you can let it go. You know, it's funny because we're going into Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year, but it's the one day of the year when the high priest would go into the most holy place. Right? So, so, you, so you have your outer courts, your inner courts, and you have the holy place where you ha- have the, the priest would go into the holy place and they'd, they'd minister to God there. They'd have a table of showbread and they'd have the, the menorah um, and... Um, and, but then once a year, one time, the high priest would go in to the most holy place. Now watch this. How much of the time are we being our own high priest? When we're saying, do you know something? I'll make my life right by what I do. I can make it right. I can do this or I can do that. When... You can't even do that under the law. Do you hear what I'm talking about? So, so, so we can either make ourselves the high priest of our life, or we can step back and say, do you know something? I'm going to let you be God. Do you know what ego is? It means edging God out. You know what we're saying is like, I can do it, right? I've got it. I don't need a sacrifice. I don't need it. And sometimes... The more and more we get to know God, um, the more we realize how, how gracious and good He is because we're never going to live up to that perfection in ourselves. We need Him. And as we walk in Him, then He lives in us and through us. Isn't that good news? So I'm excited. That's what makes me excited about Yom Kippur is because like, I want to crown Him King. Um, and I, we did that on Rosh Hashanah, but I want him to be Lord of every part of my life, even the parts that I don't like. That can be kind of hard sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? So we get get this time to reflect. So here we are, we're going into... into um, 
Yom Kippur, and um, it'll be the 27th. This is the 27th, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, I'm right on the ball, aren't I? So through the evening of the 28th. So I'm excited about it, but I wanted to read the scripture. Let me pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to gather here and to lift you up and to honor you and to worship you. And I just ask that you move in our hearts and move in our lives. But Father, just just let us know you on an intimate level. Let, let us know how much you love us and, and how much you're for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be all over Hebrews today. So I am actually going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Then we're going to jump back to Hebrews chapter 8. Okay. And it says, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I love this. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So now he doesn't say he's not gonna he's gonna throw you away or anything, but he's like, My righteous ones? He's like, My righteous ones. Now listen to this. Who's righteous in here? Come on, now we're all righteous, right? You know why? Because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice. So guess who he's talking to? He's talking to me, right? He's saying, hey, you righteous one, (laughs) right? And the righteous one will live by faith. And if he doesn't, he's like, hey, I ain't happy with that. I want your best. You know, he's not saying, I don't like you or I don't want to be around you. And so so much of the time we think take correction as being something really bad when it's not. It's like training, right? When I'm training a horse and the horse starts going off the wrong way, I'll say, hey, I'll let him make the mistake. And I always, when I figured this out, mistakes are good. Do you know why? Because if those horses didn't make the mistake, I could never put them back where they needed to be. And then they learn, right? So, so I gave up on, on trying to make that horse perfect all the time because they got like me when I was under religion. And they're, because there's no way they could be perfect all the time. And then they're, they're, they start like dreading it and they start being afraid. You know, and then it just broke that relationship, right? So when I got to the point with the horses where I was like, you know something, I'll just put you back. And so they, and pretty soon, do you know what happens? Is they start getting, and they're like, oh, I get you. And then we're moving out of a relationship and walking and talking. And so um, sometimes God will come in and say, hey, I don't want you here. I want you there, right? Linda had a young girl at work, and she's one of the managers, and she'd have to, She's like, she'd come up and show her. She's like, hey, don't do it like this, do it like that. And so one of the other employees had said, hey, she don't think you like her. And she's like, what? I really like her. So she'd come up to her and she goes, hey, by the way, don't ever think that I don't like you. She goes, sometimes I, I have to correct you and put you over here, but it, it's not because I don't like you. It's because I want you to learn and know how to do it, you know? And so we get that way with God too sometimes. You hear what I'm saying? And so we can trust God. We don't have to worry about being right with God because of the blood of Jesus, but we get to walk in His rightness because of the blood of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? So so it's like we get to know Him personally, and when we realize how great He was and how great that sacrifice is, we don't don't shrink back. We say, I'm going to live by faith. 
You know what he's saying here is, I don't want you to live by works. I want you to live by faith. Right? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you're saved. It has nothing to do with your works. Your salvation has nothing to do with your works. But because we have salvation pretty soon, we start living it out. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we see that and we start walking and we start talking and we get to know him and we have that relationship. Man, you can't hang out with somebody without, without talking like them. You know what I mean? And so, so that's how, how we grow. And so here in Yom Kippur, it means the day of atonement. You're like, atonement? What's atonement? It means it's got to have something cover up, right? So the high priest would go in and he would present the, the blood and he'd put it on the altar, right? And, and that would cover them for the entire year. Right? The, the nation for the entire year. And, and God would accept the whole nation because of one sacrifice and because of one man's sacrifice. Now, what happened 2,000 years ago? Jesus became our high priest and he died and he became our one sacrifice and it represented all of us. So, but it means to cover, it means like there's got to be something paid. Right? There's a price for sin. It wasn't free. He's not giving us a free ride. There was a price that was paid. And so, so, so Jesus paid that price for us. But it's really cool because like I, was, um, I like studying a lot of, about Yom Kippur. But one of the things that I thought I think is really cool about Yom Kippur, well, it's cool if you're not a chicken. <laughs> right? But if you're a chicken... It's not so cool, right? So, so, so like a lot, a lot of the Hasidic um, Jewish people, and a lot of Jewish people, like uh, when it comes to Yom Kippur, they will grab a chicken by the feet, and they will swing it like a rope, and, and they will say a prayer, this is my atonement, this is my cover, right? And, and I get the heart of it, Right? <laughs> So, so, like, why are they doing that? What's the matter with it? And, like, the animal rights people really do not like this holiday. You know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine walking out on the street and seeing all these people outside going like this with their chickens? I mean, what a look, you know? And so here they are. Right? And then they, they butcher it, clean it up, and then they give it away. Because they, they don't want to eat it. Because it's like, it's like a mitzvah. But a mitzvah is like a righteous deed, okay? So anyway, but the reason that, that a lot of them do it is because they want to know that they want to know that they remind themselves that they're covered, right? They want something to cover because they understand so much that it's about a covenant and it's about an atonement and that that made a difference in their lives and they're going to take what they can take, right? So obviously they can't, each grab a cow and do that so the, so the poor chickens you know get get to do that right yeah get to do that yeah so so um anyway but i always thought that was really really interesting another thing is like this thing on my head back of my head that i'm wearing um do you know what it's called a what you can call it a yarmulke too but it's also called a kippah, 
And you know what that represents? It represents a covering like Kippur, right? An atonement, right? And so, so it's really cool Yom Kippur, right? So the day, the Yom on Kippur, you know? Yeah, so um, it's really cool when, when you see all this stuff. So now you're like, well, you're just talking about Jewish tradition and this and that. And I was like, guess what? These guys who wrote the New Testament, they were Jewish. <laughs> oh, did you know that? I know it's kind of a secret. I don't want to let the bag out of it. You know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because he won't let us get to the chickens to swing them over our head. <laughs> right? These were Jewish people. Paul was a Jew of Jews, man. Right? These dudes were still going to the temple to worship. They were, they were still honoring God. Right? Now what? So they understood what God was saying. They understood the, the regulations and, what God, and God's commandments and, and, and God's appointed times. And that's what this is. This is an appointed time. And you're like, well, well I, as a believer, what does this have to do? Are you trying to make me Jewish? I don't have to try to make you Jesus, Jewish, right? If I try to make you Jewish to say you have to be Jewish to be right with God, that's awful. That's evil. You hear what I'm saying? You're Jewish already because you accepted Jesus. You're grafted into Abraham. Did you know that? Like I was watching a, this guy uh, grafting trees on, and do you know what? They, they take a little tree and they cut it. And then they cut the other one and you graft it in. You can't tell one from the other. You know what that means? You're an heir to every promise that God gave to, to Israel. Isn't that good news? That God gave to Abraham, let me say. So you're an heir to all of God's promises through Abraham. And that, that's good news. So, so it's good for us to understand what this is because it's part of our heritage and part of who we are. Right? Even as believers, this does not make you right with God because you do Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And, and that's where a lot of the, like they had trouble with and Paul was always hitting them because people would get saved and then they'd try to make them keep the, the Jewish laws or they'd tell them they weren't right with God when it wasn't about that. It was about the sacrifice of Jesus. Right? Not that there's anything wrong with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or Passover. These are God's appointed feast. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we got to know, we got to have a little bit of wisdom about that stuff. Whew, good Lord. Had to breathe. Okay, so it comes. Okay, so here's Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. The point of what we're saying is this. We do not have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now it goes up here. They're talking about um, they're a, a human, right? A man, right? Okay. We don't have, have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne in the majesty of heaven and who serves in the sanctuary of the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest, or we do have a high priest. Let me... Let me think. We're talking about Jesus, okay? This is Jesus, not a human. Okay. Time out. Let me redo it. See, I messed up. 
Let me read this right. I, I don't want to get this right because it's too important. Now watch. Hebrews 8.1. The point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true temple set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for they already there for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. That is why Moses warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as a covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one and it and it's founded on better promises okay now watch this there there's like seven thousand eight hundred and forty seven promises or four hundred eighty seven something like that there's a bunch of them <laughs> right so we got better promises in, in, in the new covenant there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant, right? There's a covenant that God made with, with um, Moses, and now there's a covenant that, that Jesus made when he died on the cross and, and actually come through God. There's other covenants. There's a covenant that was made with Noah. There's a covenant that was made with Abraham. So, like, see, covenants are nothing new. But <clears throat> we're dealing with the, with the law and the fulfillment of the law in, in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop up to verse 9. And it says this, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This would call, was called the, most, the holy place. Okay, now it's really cool because like if you go in there, each one of those things represents Jesus. Even everything in the tabernacle in the wilderness, like from, from, from the metal and the wood and how God built it, represents Jesus and his finished work and his righteousness. And so when you see it, and, and so Paul's like me, he's like, I can't tell you about that because we don't have time. Right? We're going somewhere, right? Consecrate Brown, because the second curtain was a room called the most holy place which had the golden altar of incense and the golden ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold of gold jar of manna, that means something, Aaron's staff that has budded, that means something, and the stone tablets of the covenant, that means something. Above the ark were the cherubim and the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. I can't either. Okay? So, <laughs> hang with me. Okay. So, I'm trying. And now I know, I know how he's feeling. You ever look in the Bible? I'm like, I wonder how those guys are feeling. It's like, I get it, right? Okay. When everything has been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed 
in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was shown by, by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been dis disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifice being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. Okay, that's a lot to say, a lot to read. Now what's he saying? He's like, the, these sacrifices were, were out of sins for ignorance, right? And then you, then you could go to the temple with sacrifices too when you sinned, right? And so, so like you were constantly, like, like for me, I'd have been there eight times a day. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I know it's going to disappoint a lot of you, but I'm not perfect, <laughs> right? And, and, and so but it do, didn't cleanse your conscience because you're like, oh, man, I, I, I fell. Oh, I mean, I, I, you hear what I just thought? And Jesus brought the, the law to a point where if you even thought about doing something, he committed it. You hear what I'm saying? If you hated your brother, you're a murderer. Do you hear what I'm saying? Who can, who's never got mad at someone? Do you hear what I'm talking about? So, so if you break one of them, you're guilty of breaking all of them. Now listen, that means if you steal a little pencil, you tell a little white lie, right? So, so we, we look at it and we look at Charles Manson and think that's like the, the worst but when you do one little thing under the law, you're guilty of all of it. And that's why there had to be a sacrifice and there had to be an atonement. And so even the high priest had to cleanse himself and offer a sacrifice for himself. But Jesus walked into the most holy place, the very throne room of God. And he presented his own blood to be a cover for us that we can walk with a clear conscience because we know that our sins are taken away and they're taken away forever. Because of his blood. So when we stand on Yom Kippur, we stand for judgment. The judgment can be good too. Because God's saying, I'm judging in your favor because there's been a cover for you. And now you're made righteous in Christ Jesus. And that's good news. Right? Better than Geico. <laughs> Not that I have anything about Geico. You should pay me a check, Geico. I talk about you a lot. <laughs> Okay. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that already are here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. That is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place. How many times? Once. Once for all. Like the three musketeers, all for one and... One for all, right? Okay, watch this. Those play once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences? 
Now listen. From acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God. You know what he's saying? So now we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, right? So we have a subconscious, then we have a conscious, and then we have a heart. So much of the time, you say, say, well, if your conscience will let you do that, right? Sometimes we've messed up or we've made mistakes, and then we have this conscious attitude where, or this conscious hurt or this conscious pain, and sometimes it, it'll last for years, for some people who have scars in it, it may last forever. Maybe they messed up, done something really, really bad, and they're like, there's no way God would ever forgive me. And Jesus is like, I paid the price for you. I died on the cross for you, and I walked my blood right into the most holy place in heaven himself. And I said, Father, here is my blood, and I shed it just for you. You are free. And he's like, now you can have that conscience clean because he's going to spread, spread the blood over it. On the atonement, it just covered the outside. But Jesus' sacrifice cleaned us, cleansed, cleaned us from the inside out. Paul's talking about Yom Kippur. He's saying, look, we have something better. We, when, when you mess up, repent, turn around, go the other way. When you turn around, the fathers are like, hey, son, just come to me. Again, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant to, that, those, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from their sins. Committed under the first covenant. Isn't that awesome? In, in the case of a will, so if you have a will, right? We have a will here, and he's awesome, <laughs> right? But it's not like that will. It's like a will, like you write a will out, and then when you die, it's executed, right? But, but um, well, that didn't sound right. If you die, it's executed, I guess. <laughs> if you die it's I guess it is executed I'll just go with that it come, it come out right okay so so what what he's saying is because the will is enforced only when somebody's died right now watch this it, it never takes effect while the one who made it is living this is why in the first covenant the first covenant was put into effect without blood when Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people. He took the blood of calves together with water, scar scarlet, wool, and branches and hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact... The law requires that nearly everything be sprinkled or be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. See, there had to be a price paid. And that price was in blood. And that price was in Jesus' blood, right? And it said it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with the sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves 
with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now to appear for, appear for us. Can you say us? In God's presence. Nor did he enter to enter heaven to offer again and again. By the way, the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now watch this. I'm, I got two minutes. Now let me go back to verse 8 where I cut off where it says that he is superior to the old one and it is found on, founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no, no, nothing wrong, uh, no place would have been sought for another, but God found fault with the people and said, not with the law, but with the people and said, hey, you can't keep this. <laughs> Let me help you out. So they had the sacrifices. And then he says, that ain't good enough. I want you to have a relationship with me just like in the Garden of Eden because now it's no longer about right and wrong. It's about life and death. Do you guys hear what I'm talking about? And God made it clear. He, he's, he's like, here, you can eat from the, from the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but this one's really the tree of death. Eat life. Find me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know what they called the outer courts? They called the way. When you get into the, the holy place, they called it the truth. But when you get into the most holy place, that's where the life is found. Do you guys hear what I'm talking about? The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is my covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people and no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man brother saying, No, Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.